Hey y'all, welcome to episode three of No Off Season. I know it has been a hot minute. Um, this episode is coming out about a month later than I wanted it to, but it has been a super hectic month. Um, as some of you know, I've been in the process of moving, so I have officially moved. I am in said new apartment, and I have an air mattress and that is uh, it. So um, pardon the very dull, plain background, but it will be improved uh, soon. But today we are talking with online fitness coach Matthew Wade. Uh, Full disclosure, he is my personal trainer. um, But that being said, I, I honestly hated the idea of having a virtual fitness trainer that you don't really get to see and you don't get to train with and they don't get to see how you train. And there were a bunch of things and and notions that I had about online fitness coaches, which I get into um, with Coach Matt, but his philosophy and his approach to online fitness is really the opposite of what I had in my head. And I've been working for him with him um, for about six months now. I mean, I've seen progress within myself, but I've also seen the way he runs his coaching business. And knowing his style, I knew he would be a perfect guest to have on this show. We both went to Syracuse University and he had the courage to completely pivot from his major and really change his entire career. And that's what this podcast is about, to to always better yourself and to find that grind within yourself and within the people around you to make yourself and others better. Um, This episode will be a little bit longer because his interview, this is a a good thing, his interview was very difficult to edit um, because there were so many insightful things that he said that I didn't want to condense it too much. So Please listen to the whole the whole episode. If you're an athlete, uh, a coach, fitness enthusiast, entrepreneur, like there are so many different hats that he wears that you can take away um, from this episode and, and that you can benefit from what he has to say. So here is Matthew Wade. Thank you so much for doing this and for joining me. I'm super excited um, because, of course, I know you as Coach Matt, but I feel like other <laughs> other people know you as, you know, Matthew Wade online fitness personality. Mm-hmm. So can you take me back to what started you pursuing an online fitness platform? Yes. So I will start with So I went to I went to Syracuse University. Okay. Um, yep. And I went for your traditional finance entrepreneurship degree, um, as that's what, you know, my parents pushed me to, um, I come from a pretty white collar household. Um, and you know, my sister went that route and so kind of figured that was the route to go. Um, and I would say, Sometime throughout my sophomore year, I kind of realized that, um, you know, when the internship kind of vibe and gist was starting to get a little bit more serious and you had to start applying, I really just kind of wasn't super about, you know, doing that whole nine to five. I really didn't like finance. I was always, you know, into numbers and mathematics, but 
um, I really started to kind of gain that passion for fitness. And, you know, I was in a fraternity, um, even though it may not seem like it anymore. I've kind of left that in the past. <laughs> Which fraternity were you in? I was in Sigma Phi Epsilon. Um, okay. So I took a bunch of leadership roles in that. Um, and just, you know, slowly but surely throughout college, I realized that the, the passion for fitness and helping people um, and realizing I really feel like my purpose for being on this earth is to actually help individuals um, rather than, you know, do something, you know, stereotypical in finance. So I, you know, ended up talking to my parents, trying to persuade them to let me, you know, switch my majors and, you know, Syracuse is a private school. It's a, it's a lot of money. So they pretty much said absolutely not unless I wanted to, you know, go into a lot of student debt and I wasn't willing to do that. Um, I kind of think that was a blessing though, because it kind of made me more of a business oriented, um, entrepreneur in the first place. And then I learned and self-taught and had mentorships to then, you know, accelerate my knowledge in terms of fitness, as opposed to what you see a lot in the fitness industry is people that go to school for exercise science and nutrition. They're really kick-ass coach, but they have no idea how to actually run and operate a business. And that is arguably more important when it comes to a career, okay? So I would say, long story short, graduated college, finance degree, um, and over COVID, my start date at uh, Merrill Lynch um, kept getting like pushed back. And I took it upon myself during COVID to just do some in-person personal training um, and start helping some of my you know, fraternity brothers who are a little younger than me that kind of looked up to me um, just online with like custom meal plans and, and nutrition plans. And um, I'll be straight up with you. I was not qualified to do this. Like it was more or less like I was helping a friend out. Um, and as long as you don't, in my opinion, as long as you don't over market that, you know, you're super qualified in the beginning when you know you're not and you help people um, that you know personally and these people choose to work with that person because they motivate them, they inspire them, then there's nothing wrong with it. There is a lot of people that, you know, they do one weight loss phase and this kind of bothers me or they do one lean growing phase and then they think they're, you know, qualified to then coach it and blast it out to the masses or you have these influencers that build a tremendous following off no knowledge at all, just their physique and, you know, who knows what they're doing to achieve that physique. And then once they gain the following, they then automatically say, hey, I'm opening up my online coaching and they're not necessarily qualified to work as an online coach and give, um, you know, plans when it comes to nutrition. That's why I have a registered dietitian that I outsource and work with because, you know, you do have to, you know, from liability standpoint, have those metrics in place. Um, so basically during COVID, like I kind of just slowly started doing a little in-person training, like in my backyard at like, you know, fields, like, you know, high school baseball fields and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of realized that, you know, I was better um, suited, you know, in the future, you know, trading your time for your, um, you know, not trading time for money. Um, I wanted to do everything online. I could really help people a little bit more um, in-depthly working around their other 320, like other 23 hours of their day, other than just their training, um, better online, which arguably matter more than just your hour of training per day. 
Um, and because I was also working in nine to five, so for two and a half years, I did both. I did the oh, nine to five and I did my online coaching pretty much like on the weekends. Uh, you know, it got to the point where I was working like a hundred hours a week where I would basically work, you know, in the morning, I'd get up at 6 a.m., like do check-ins and stuff, then work nine to five, go train, and then come back and work until midnight on, you know, my business. So yeah, yeah. it was definitely, you know, living in Manhattan, it was definitely something that, you know, was like a hustle culture. And I feel like if you can make it in that city, you can pretty much make it wherever. Um, but eventually kind of writing on the wall came and I realized that this is my passion. And if I was going to do it full time, um, there's no better way to do it. I did it. I started full time with it last November. Um, so it's been amazing since I ever started that, like the quality of life, the quality of coaching is astronomically just improved, um, as you've experienced kind of firsthand. Um, and it's been just a hell of a journey, like to not to give you like a super long answer to that, but, uh, no, Hey, the more in depth, the better. Yeah. Was there like one person or maybe a couple of people who what you were doing that nine to five and your online coaching helped you or encouraged you to be like yo you need to be doing this full time or was that something you were like i need to be doing this full time absolutely i would say um always had the support from my mom i think my dad had to warm up to the idea because he worked um in corporate america for 20 years and he was like very your stereotypical parent, like, you know, you got to think about benefits, you got to think about, you know, insurance. And I really valued that opinion as well. It was someone that kind of pushed me to prove that I could do what I wanted to do and not have to live your traditional nine to five as you know, that generation didn't have the opportunities like working from home, didn't have social media, you know, all that good stuff. Now it's, you know, really practical and feasible at you can create your own revenue streams, different revenue streams from social media, from literally your bedroom. So yeah. um, I kind of use that, like my dad, not saying he was like a hater, but he was definitely someone in my life, like, you know, this is more or less viewed it as like a side gig for a long time. And I had to prove to him, like, you know, with the financials and, you know, just being a go-getter and, and kind of proving him. And I still have to prove it to him each, you know, year that we're, we're growing and we're still staying ahead of the curve as I get closer to my mid, you know, thirties. And I'm a very independent person as well. So I kind of think I, you know, it wasn't until like now that I've even thought about hiring someone else. Yeah. So I've done everything myself. I never hired a business coach. Uh, and believe me, there's a lot of good and bad and, and just bots that hit you up on Instagram, ask to do a newsletter, ask to do a VA. Like I never, I never did any of that. Cause it's, you know, it's kind of like my baby. I, I grew it from the ground up. I wasn't, I'm still not a big influencer that just decided to do online coaching, just make, you know, extra bread on the side. It's, I started this from scratch as a business owner and have continuously built and learned my way, took calculated risks and, you know, it's been paying off pretty well, I'd say. Yeah. 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 I'd say so too. I'd say so too. You, so I think it's interesting how you market yourself as not an influencer because I think there's definitely like, yeah, I try not to. 
a very I don't know what the right word is like a cloud against that term like oh you're an influencer like what do you actually do yeah so how do you whenever you pitch someone that wants to work with you and they're like if you know if you were recommended by someone and they're like oh well he's just an influencer how is he going to help me how do you rephrase that to someone So I'll start with the way that I run my page. And I think the way that I run my page, one is going to change in the future. I'll give you kind of insight on that, um, you know, later on. But basically the way that I wanted to run my page is because I do lifestyle coaching for corporate Americans. Okay. People who work eight to six, nine to five, your traditional, you know, someone who works your, your day job that cannot seem to manage to change their physique, either from lack of knowledge from lack of you know time commitment structure etc and what you see is and honestly you see it more often than your quote-unquote freshman 15 you see that post-grad 20 people just let themselves go those are the people that i help okay so the way that i run my page um it kind of ebbs and flows but i want you to come to m wade fit and not just see shirtless pictures or you know thirst traps and you know, okay, this guy's full of himself. Like, yeah, he has a great physique. And yeah, there's a piece of it. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like there are people that come to my page and they immediately say, wow, I wanna look like him. I wanna work with him. Cool. Those, that's, that's some of the market share, okay? But the way that I run my pages, I like to showcase my client testimonials, yep. their journeys, the context behind their journeys, not just, okay, this person lost 20 pounds, but this person lost 20 pounds. She went on vacation. She got sick a few times. She battled COVID. Um, she's, you know, had an eating disorder and we had to fix her entire relationship with food. And it took us 10 months to even get to the point where she could even lose weight healthy and sustainably in the first place. Like yeah. people want that context because people want to, you know, relate to you. Relatability is huge when it comes to, you know, building a business. Okay. When it comes to, you know, running an influencer page, the way that I run my page is not going to get that many eyeballs. That's why if you go to my page, you don't really see thousands of likes. You see 75, 50, 300, like, you know, it comes and goes because, you know, it's not the content that gets the eyeballs, but it's the content that people relate to and want to spend their money on and you can monetize their platform. So my following isn't that big, but the way that I run it, I monetize it really well. And therefore I'm able to do online coaching um, and compete with people who have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers and have a bigger online coaching business than them and be more successful in the industry. We are going to be rebranding M Wade fit to MW fitness coaching. Okay. Okay. So that's going to be my coaching page where it's the main topic and it's basically making the umbrella for when I do hire other coaches underneath me and when we start to branch out. So that style of content is gonna be about education. It's gonna be about client testimonials and journeys, you know, workouts and nutrition protocols and best practices for busy corporate professionals. That's what that whole page is gonna be about. Okay. And eventually when I have like other coaches sharing their success stories and their client testimonials. Now I made a personal account because, you know, I am in like, just personally, just to give you a little bit more about myself, obviously I've kind of fallen in love with, you know, bodybuilding and the, 
um, the whole competition aspect. I used to be an athlete in high school and just having that, uh, that competitive edge a little bit more now. Never had that after high school, having something to train for. Um, I feel like my potential to do well in the sport is, is there. Um, so I'm, I'm basically creating a new Instagram page, which I will call Mway Fit. I'm basically going to transfer that name over once we do the rebranding on the Mway Fit current page. Um, because Mway Fit is kind of like my personal brand. Yeah. Okay. So that's going to be where, you know, I post like my posing, my training. The training will have a little bit of overlap because I do think there's good perks for both. Yeah. Um, you know, more about my personal life, my influencer style of content, because I am into photography too, like just something that I've always liked. Um, and you know, your, your thirst traps and all that good stuff is going to be on, on that page. So basically you kind of have it in like, you can follow my business page eventually, and then you could follow me personally. So, um, that's kind of where we're going. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Cause then it's, cause I am into photography too. Like just something that I've always liked. Um, and you know, your, your thirst traps and all that good stuff is going to be on, on that page. So basically you kind of have it in like, you can follow my business page eventually, and then you could follow me personally. So, um, that's kind of where we're going. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to that because then it's, cause Emily fit currently, if you kind of look through the context, you're just going to see a mix of just all different niches of content. And I yeah. want to niche it down a little bit more and then take the content that I still do like to make, but put it on a separate page. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that you're a very independent person. Mm -hmm. So what ultimately very. led you, <laughs> I feel that, um, what ultimately led you to even really think <coughs> about venturing into this separate coaching platform and having coaches or thinking about even hiring coaches underneath you? Well, when you think about, you know, doing coaching and doing it for a long, long time and creating, you know, not only passive income, but, you know, generational wealth type income, like you can't do it alone, okay? I can't coach personally. I can't coach more than 100 people at one time. I've done it in the past and it's like my quality of life is terrible. And then my training goes to, you know, in the gutter, my mental health. And obviously I can only be good as a coach as my mental health is. Okay. Like I want you guys to look at me as kind of like your, your champion, your of fitness, like the person that you look up to. And I need to, you know, showcase myself in that regard. And if I'm not able to, you guys will be able to feel that energy. Yeah. Like when I was in prep, like I made it very known to you guys. Hey guys, like I feel like dog shit like please bear with me like I'm doing the best job that I can and then when I was back and you can almost tell the energy in my voice like I'm back to being a normal person like able to go above and beyond so um just realizing that you know we can help more people and I can't do it alone and like a couple things that are off the top of my head like the first thing that I want to hire is a female coach um a female coach who maybe specializes a little bit more in hormonal health um, just because that's something that, you know, I have some decent knowledge on, but could always improve on and always want to improve on. And also right. it gets a more relatable market share for, you know, cause girls don't come in and look at my page and say, I want to look like him. Sure. They might find me attractive. They, who knows, but they, I don't relate to them. Like I relate to the guys and I believe it or not, I actually have, 
um, in the coming in the recent months, I've have more females joining almost than guys, which is like pretty cool because I think I do a good job showing that, um, you know, and showing you too, like that there is a lot of issues with diet culture, especially with females and the females are really afraid of the scale and the scale does not paint the full picture. Yeah. Like to be honest with you, I do a four month minimum commitment and because we're like, because we're on the podcast and you know, we can be transparent, like generally nine out of 10 times, like the females that come in that want to lose weight, they're not even able to lose weight until like month five or month six. And it's like, it's a very difficult conversation to have because they come in drastically under eating for such a prolonged period of time. It's not a four month turnaround for me to just self correct their internal health and their body's like, okay, we're ready to lose weight. Like, sometimes if they've been under eating for three to five years like this isn't a four-month turnaround and and of course these females like they want to lose weight and yeah they're like okay i understand i might not see it for a month or two but month three month four comes around the scale is still the same or it's even higher because we're trying to push food up and that's how their body's reacting like that's when they get frustrated and that's where it's like sometimes there's turnover and they're like well this isn't working because my weight isn't going down and it's that constant reminder that we aren't able to lose weight because of what you came into coaching okay so obviously in order to lose weight you can you know move your body more or you can eat less food okay if you're already eating a very, very low limited amount of food to the point where your body and your metabolism is now adjusted down to just make do with what you're giving it because your body wants to survive. So eventually if you keep under eating, your body's gonna be like, all right, we have to make do. Like, and yeah. that's where you kind of live suboptimally and you don't have <clears throat> that extra energy and chances are these people aren't really that active because they don't have the extra energy because they're under eating to go move their body. So now it's like, okay, we have to start chipping away at at bringing the food up so that finally the body, you know, at a slow rate, so the body doesn't gain weight really quickly, but enough so that it it stays, you know, around the same body weight stays put. And now you have extra energy and you can start moving your body more and you can get stronger in the gym. We get from, you know, one workout per week to three to four. And finally, once you get that up and running, the you know energy also happens when you exercise. So it kind of comes full circle. Um, we can continue pushing the food higher until the point where we get to where they're back to living optimally and they get that taste of, wow, I feel amazing. I'm strong in the gym. I'm eating double the amount of food that I was when I came into coaching and I'm still the same weight. You haven't yeah. put on any fat. You've you've just enhanced your your metabolic rate. You've put on some lean quality muscle. You look better. That's why half the girls that come in that their scale doesn't wait. Their body recomp is much much better. But yeah. again, going back to you know patience and trust, and if these people don't know you personally, and you know it can be a very difficult conversation to have when you have to tell a female look, based on what I'm seeing with your body, you're not even in a position to lose weight for six months. Yeah. Like, sorry. Like, summer's coming and you're not going to be, you're not going to (laughs) lose 20 pounds because I'm not going to make my clients more unhealthy when they come into coaching, when they leave. Okay. Because if you're already under eating, the only thing that I can make you do to lose weight is to cut your calories even lower, which 
it's going to get wildly unsustainable. And if you're already eating like 1200 calories, you have to eat 800. You're eating like, you're not going to hit your protein goal on 800 calories, no shot. And you're going to eat like lettuce, like, and then you're going to definitely binge on the weekends because you're absolutely starving yourself and you're going to have no energy to work out. So that's the other card. Can I get you to move or exercise on 1200 calories per day? Probably not. You're, yeah. you're, you're shot at the end of a work day. So yeah. that's the, uh, yeah. Yeah. How, how do you, I mean, I know it's, it's very much more prevalent in females, but also it happens like with men too. too. Yeah. It, it is with men too. It's, totally. It's you know, you definitely see them and, and I, I always compare it to like the, the inverted triangle where like they, their arms are really big and then their legs look like little twigs <laughs> because they just don't want to work out like the all. But how, like if someone comes in with kind of that unhealthy mindset, have you ever had someone try and I argue with you, I guess, like thinking they yeah. know better? Oh, yeah what happens with them as a client are you able to reframe their mindset or do they end up just being like there's been both there's been both there's been points where they've challenged me every single week like why is my weight not dropping and i've constantly like got on the phone with them multiple times and you know you're entitled for your monthly call and i'll request if i want a new one but like taking the time out of my schedule to call them like when they need it to explain to them this is what's happening and this is how you have to do it. And they they couldn't, they didn't want to grasp the reality of the situation. And it got to a certain point where it was like, this isn't, you know, worth my time. Like I can't, it's not a hundred percent success rate. Okay. You need a two-way street, two responsible adults. Um, it's also not 24 seven customer service when it comes to fitness. Like you'd be surprised, like some people, yeah, you're, you pay like, you know, 250 to 350 a month, whatever, you, you know, the deal is at the time of the year. Um, and some people think they can chat you at like one in the morning and expect <laughs> a, a response five minutes later. And it's like, yeah. look, if you wanted like a 24 seven on call, like you're going to pay thousands a month. Like that's yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah. So yes it's been there's it's generally a good response i can generally get like within the four months i would say like nine out of ten people come out of it with a very very positive experience maybe they didn't see the external results um that they were looking for but they are in a much better position internal wise and their structure and the way that they feel and they look better Okay, like they slightly are tighter shape, they have more energy, they're stronger in the gym, they're able to eat more food at rest. They have gotten value and knowledge out of the four months. Now, some people come in and they're ready to go. Like they've been, they already have experience tracking macros and they're like, let's go. And you can immediately, um, you know, start a phase. I generally don't start anyone on a lean growing or dieting phase right off the bat. As a coach yeah. responsibly, I want to be able to see how your body adjusts. And in the grand scheme of things, it takes like six to eight months for someone to yeah. really learn how your body, you know, maneuvers and adjusts based on different nutrition metrics, your training performance, the the lifestyle that you like to live, um, all that stuff. But, you know, some people do come in pretty much ready to diet down if their daily nutrition habits and experience are in place. 
I would probably do at least a couple weeks to a month of a body recomp just to kind of gauge, you know, their optimal macros and nutrition level. And then we'd start a dieting phase. So yes. it's very, very case by case. Yeah. Um, and the way that you communicate to each of these clients is much differently. Okay. So yes. someone that I just joined the program that I don't know, absolutely <laughs> butcher them with kindness, motivation. I have a good, I have a lot of analogies that I somehow come up with on the spot that just like motivate people to just do something rather than nothing, which is the mindset right. that I want people to take on. But once you kind of get in the program and it's, if it's consistently like, okay, we've gotten to the point where I know you now and we're not taking that next step, like you will get hardo, like more like light a fire under your ass, like Matt, cause yeah. it's like, okay, like you're right there. Now we need to take the next jump. Like, you know, what's expected of you and you're just not executing it. Like a hundred percent. So it's timeline on the coaching. It's also case by case on the person. Um, sometimes I may even add that as a question, like, how do you like to be coached? Are you someone who likes the constant like motivation and, you know, encouragement or you need someone to just tell you how it is. And I generally like that type of person more because I'm a very straight up person, but yeah. So, um, I almost forgot your question. So <laughs> ask another one. <laughs> well, my next one is going to shift, uh, shift more towards you and, and your bodybuilding experience. Yeah. You brought it up before, um, you said six months ago, whatever you would have been like, oh, hell no. If someone, if someone was like, oh, are you going to do bodybuilding? What? You mentioned the competitiveness. Is there something specific that you were like, I kind of want to try this? <sighs> I think it was, it all kind of aligned around the fact when I knew I wanted to move out of New York City. Okay. New York City um, made me, you know, the go-getter, the hustle culture, the entrepreneur that I am today, because you have to in order to make it there. Um, and I was, you know, working two jobs and stuff, but eventually when I realized, okay, like the, if I really want to do fitness and, and be, you know, a big name in the industry and, and be really successful, I want to be in a spot that is more welcoming and has more of a bigger community of people that I can connect with, you know, collab with, learn from that are better than me at what I currently do. I'm a big person at, at networking and being involved with people that are better than you at what you're trying to do. That's how you yeah. learn. Okay. People yeah. are super intimidated by that and they shouldn't be, but generally people, when they see someone who's better than them, they immediately like are a hater. I like want to, I want to pick their brain. Yeah. What are you doing? Why are you better than me? Like, what can you teach me? What can I do? And believe it or not, what I've learned from my experience is, You'd be surprised on, yeah, they're better than you. Maybe they've been doing it longer. Maybe they got a little lucky. Maybe, you know, combination of both. But you'd be surprised on the things that they learn from from you, someone who's maybe not as successful, telling them how you do things, and it's, like, mutually beneficial. So right. um, I would say, going back to your question, though, I would say right around the time where I knew I wanted to um, moved to Florida. I hired a coach myself, yeah. which is something that I personally and cannot express how important I think this is. Everyone should have a coach, 
um, or someone when it comes to fitness just to offer a perspective and just yeah. even if you get to the point where you know exactly what you're doing you should still think of coaching and as an investment and like it's just someone to to communicate your fitness journey it makes it more fun it makes it more motivating you know you get to hear and you get to you know have a two-way street so i hired a coach and my coach is a bodybuilding prep coach okay um because i just wanted someone to take over my training and my nutrition i do it for a living i was doing it for like at that time like 70 people and i was like i can't even think about what my macro should be like or what my training like changing that up like someone else do it like yeah look at my body and tell me you know what i need to do in order to keep you know improving it and so hired him he actually went to syracuse too um and slowly but surely he kind of just chipped away at like not saying he gassed me up but he's like dude like you have the physique like you could really do well here like why don't you just give it a shot like it's like a bucket list thing and I was like you yeah. know what like that's how I'm gonna treat it. I thought like going into it I thought I was like okay this prep would be not only cool for me personally to have something to train for, it's going to teach me a lot about myself and about more about weight loss and, you know, the extreme radical levels of it, because I want to yeah. say bodybuilding and a traditional sustainable weight loss is entirely different. Okay. Yeah. Like, which is what I communicated very clearly to you guys. Like what I was doing is not what you need to do in order to lose weight or achieve a lifestyle physique. Okay. Like I did several probably like 20 not 20 but like seven to eight weight loss phases like lifestyle and i was in ridiculously good shape like very yeah. lean some already um bodybuilding is a different level of leanness it's like you yeah. get to the point where your body does not want to get any leaner and you have to manipulate certain things and push it past and because you do that it really starts to like hurt you mentally and you know physically you just feel horrible like yeah. i've never felt worse in my life than when i did uh the prep for bodybuilding mentally you get delusional like straight up yeah. like i remember i was lifting with a buddy and we were doing like bicep curls and like this was like I was like four to three weeks out for my competition. That's generally when you really get to that digging point. You're so close, you're like less than a month out and it's like, you just put all this work in, you're not gonna quit now. Like, and yeah. and yeah. to be honest with you, my coach said something that stuck with me. He said more than half of people that attempt a bodybuilding show for the first time, never make it to stage. So you are right. Most people do fold at that point. Yeah. It takes a special type of person to make it through a first prep and do it the right way where you're competitive. Yeah. Yeah. You can get on the stage and, and be like, you know, kind of fluffy and not perform, but like, it's different from running a marathon, like where you can go and run a marathon and walk a mile and then average your pace is like 12 minutes, or you can really train for it and try and run it at a seven to eight minute, you know, pace. Yeah. Um, Bodybuilding is a little bit different because there's, you're not, hidden in the numbers if you like you're on stage and you have like your own individual routine and then you get brought out and if you're not doing well it's pretty obvious you right. get pushed to the side you're not center stage right. um so it's a little bit more like putting yourself out there in a way so you if you're gonna i would almost rather not do a show than go and then do a show and not have, look at my best 
So, yeah. which it happens too. Like some people pull out of shows and then just like, you know, delay it and push back to another show a couple weeks later. If for yeah. whatever reason, digestion gets screwed up because once it gets to the like last two weeks where it's like depletion and then peak week, it's you manipulate everything that goes in your body, your water, yeah. your sodium, like by the meal, like the coming days in the show, we would take a, we would eat. And then I'd have to immediately, he was in personally, luckily, he would pose me and look at my body and then develop like my next meal on the spot. Oh my God. And then we, we would do that like five times per day. Like, so yeah, yeah. like, okay. By like the, when I did my second show in Houston, like it's kind of boring at like when he gets to the last like two days, like you're not lifting anymore. You're, you're done training. You're done doing cardio. You're just slowly trying to add carbs and fill out. And kind of once you get to that peak look, hold it like, yeah. and not, not spill over or not get flat and go under. So it's like that holding look, um, you sit around and do nothing. Like I had the equivalent of like one water bottle for the entire day in the 105 degree weather in Houston. So I didn't go outside at all. Like I was yeah. like, if I go outside, I'm screwed. Like, right, right. so, um, but again, going back to your question, that's where I decided that I wanted to do it. It was definitely a bucket list thing for me. I thought it would teach me uh, more about being a better fitness coach. And I thought it would be really motivating and be a cool story for my clients, even though yeah. I don't coach bodybuilding. It's always cool to see, you know, someone who you look up to and is coaching you like walk the walk um, right. Right. to an extreme level rather than just talk the talk. You feel? Right. So yeah. Yeah, um, that's, and I thought it would be, you know, good exposure and just, it was fun. It was a good time. Yes. Like, yeah. And luckily ended up winning both shows, which is pretty yeah. unheard of for a debut, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. so it was, it was successful. Now, if you ask me what my plans are in terms of competing in the future, I definitely think I'm going to, I'm definitely going to compete again, not for a while. Okay. Um, I do want to see if I can go get a pro card. And then after that, I may never compete again. Um, or I may, I, I haven't thought about it that far, but I know I want to get a pro card just because it's another credential to add to the resume. Um, and I kind of like to think about it. Like there's no, there's really no like doctorate in physique building. You can get a doctorate yeah. in exercise science, doctorate in nutrition. If you have a hundred K on Instagram, it's like, these are like in today's day and age, whether you want to like it or not, I personally don't really like it. Cause just cause someone has a hundred K on Instagram doesn't mean they know everything, yeah. but it does add credibility. We can't like right. say that it doesn't someone has over 100k you're like okay wow this person must know what they're talking about like right. having ifbb pro is kind of the if you will an equivalent to like doctorate in physique building yeah. like okay this person yeah. clearly knows like right. yeah he's done it to a high level so that's kind yeah. of why i want to do it plus like it's just kind of a personal goal at this point like yeah yeah but that would be like a year year I don't think it'll take me two years, but it, you know, year, year and a half, probably. I have two bodybuilding questions. Sure. One is a serious question. Okay. One is a not serious question. Okay. Which one do you want first? Let's do, let's do the serious one. Okay. So this podcast kind of focuses on mental health yeah. and I know like 
you were you were super transparent about it as you were going through with all of your clients and you said your mental health kind of took a little bit of a dive as you were totally going through all these changes can you tell me like what that was like and how you were able to pull yourself out of it or or get more of a control over it sure here's what i'll say with bodybuilding bodybuilding for me is unlike any sport that i've ever done because it's there's a difference between like you being bought in and like you know motivated and you're like i'm all in 110 percent like bodybuilding consumes you yeah like when you get to the point where you don't want to go to train you don't want to do anything but eat food because like, you develop some sort of like premature eating disorder qualities when you're doing a bodybuilding prep in my opinion if if you're doing it really right like you have to be kind of crazy in order to do it because you you're dieting for so long which is different from a sustainable weight loss phase um and you can't really do high volume foods or intermittent fasting every meal is like perfectly spaced out so a digestion is perfect you're eating the same foods you live like a dog you live under a rock so over time when you do nothing but go to the gym do cardio and come home and do nothing on friday and saturday nights you feel really lonely and i also moved to a new state during it which is not ideal and looking back i probably shouldn't have done that um i didn't know many people Okay, so it's not like you move to the state. What do you want to do? You want to go see the scene. You want to go meet people, make friends, you know, go out to bars. I couldn't do any of that. So it was like very lonely for, you know, a decent amount of time. Luckily, the community and the gym that I was able to join in Florida is like in Tampa. It's like the bodybuilding gym. It's like where the pros train and like people who are really serious about it. So that like-minded culture was what got me through it because I was at least an hour or two a day, sometimes even three hours when I really needed it. I would just get out of the apartment. I'd go to the gym and I'd stay there as long as I could. Um, one, because it would kind of distract me from not being in my kitchen, wanting to just eat everything in sight, but also like just communicating and talking to people that have been there and done it to the highest level. And then like, you so gave me a free game and advice. Like, okay, this is my first prep. This is what I wish I knew, you know? And it was like, that is what I think ultimately got me to do. If I was in New York City the entire time during prep, I wouldn't have made it to stage. I do think it was, there's pros and cons. Like the fact that I'm my own business owner and I control my schedule was definitely very, very helpful in prep. And I couldn't imagine being a nine to five and doing a prep and like, you know, fire drills come up and you have to somehow make it work. Um, yeah. But I also think that it was pretty toxic too because I eat, lived, breathe fitness. So like every single day it was like my meals, my training, my cardio, and then my all of my clients' meals, training, car like there was no break when it came to fitness. Right. So like trying to be super present and stuff was sometimes very difficult when like, you know, it's 4th of July and I'm in prep and all my clients are like, you know, to hell with plan, I'm going to drink. And it's like, I'm locking in, like, I found myself almost getting a little bit more angry with them and then realizing, okay, wait, they're, they're not doing bodybuilding like me. Like they're a lifestyle client. They should enjoy 4th of July. That's a holiday you don't give up for fitness. That's a holiday you enjoy yourself and show off your results from fitness and then get back to plan. So like, it was definitely toxic, like for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
part B of the question before we get to Nasser's question. What would you tell yourself now after you've gone through your first prep that you wish you knew? I would say, I would say, which is what I'm actually going to get a tattoo on in September. I, my message that I came up with with prep is extraordinary people live in discomfort because bodybuilding is all about living and managing through discomfort. You, yeah. your sleep is shit. You're starving. Um, your training starts to not be fun anymore. And, and generally, I mean, I would say 99.9% .9 of people, anyone who does a bodybuilding show does it because it stems from their love of training. They love going to the gym because it makes them feel good mentally. And they've done it for a long enough time where they want to, you know, now go show it off and train for something. Okay. Yeah. So eventually it gets to the point where, you know, you, it kind of switches where, when I do check-ins and stuff, like I know, okay, oh, I'm going to go train at 1 p.m. Like I'm looking forward to that. Where right. when I was doing a prep, it was like 1 p.m. Couldn't like, can we not have a training session today? Like I don't want to, my legs feel like concrete. I don't want to go train at all. Like, yeah. so not having that like thing to look forward to and your, your mental escape was probably the biggest challenge for me. So the message of just, you know, living and battling through discomfort is what I now know a bodybuilding prep is. And um, I personally loved, loved being on stage. Like I've always been a good yeah. public speaker, someone who likes to just like, I can just talk to a wall um, pretty much. So I, I just liked being on stage. It wasn't like, I wasn't nervous at all. Like once I got there, I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. So, yeah. and I think that actually is one of the reasons why I did as well as, as I did. I did men's physique. So something, if you don't know, men's physique is a division of bodybuilding that um, you wear board shorts. Okay. You don't show your legs. It's more of a, for lack of a better word, it's more of the pretty boy version of bodybuilding. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's um, the beach body, the aesthetic attainable physique, if you will. Um, and it's all about, you know, confidence and charisma and having like a, a small, tight waist and broad, wide shoulders and a big, wide back. That's what, yeah. and like a good core, like that's what they judge. And so like, because I think I went out there and I was like high energy and good charisma and just, just good energy, the judges felt that and it, it was like. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to be there. And that's yeah. what it's all about, like putting on a show. So yeah. um, as opposed to as you progress through the different divisions, like um, then there's classic physique and then there's open bodybuilding. Open bodybuilding is like when you think of bodybuilding, you're, you're mass monsters, like those yeah, guys. Yeah. Like they're yeah. going for like sheer size, mass, muscularity, like they're the monsters of the sport. Yeah, where yeah. there's different divisions because there's all different body types. Right. So, uh, right. yeah, like my body type, I could never get to being an open bodybuilder. Like, there'd be no shot. Like, unless I wanted yeah. to do a lot of drugs and give my entire life to it, I probably yeah. still couldn't get there because it's all it does come down to genetics too. Yeah. Because when you get yeah. to the pro level and everyone's, 
you know, this is a topic we don't need to go over really, but when you get to the topic of, you know, steroids and stuff like that, everyone's doing it. So it's like even across the board at the pro level, at the pro level, like I'm obviously an amateur level. So, but at the pro level, everyone's doing it across the board. So it doesn't really matter about the drugs as much as it matters about the training, the diet, and more importantly, just the sheer genetics. Yeah. Okay. Like some people, you can't change the way the muscle sits on your body. You can change the density. You can change, you know, the maturity, the size, but the the way it's inserted on your body. That's why everyone's body and chests and shoulders and arms look different, have different shapes because it's just genetics. So yeah. some people have superior genetics when it comes to visual aesthetics and, and mass, and you can't you can't outperform that sometimes. My my not serious question. This actually might come across as a very very stupid question because I don't I don't Shoot. know I don't know anything about bodybuilding. Why the like spray tan look and sure. the not tan like sure. face? I always think it's a little bit funny to like. Look oh yeah, them. you saw I was dark as hell when the night. You were so dark, and then your face was like like how it is now. <laughs> Yeah, well, they don't really. I mean, my face is still pretty dark, but they. Yeah, compared. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's so. Basically, what happens is, is they tan you up because the lights on the stage are very, very bright. Okay. Um, And so, as a pasty white guy, like I made sure that I got like four coats of tan. (laughs) <laughs> like where someone who's like um black or african-american they might not get tan at all they just might get a light glaze or something because right. they're already dark enough they don't need a spray tan but if you're pale like the lights shine down really hard and if you're not dark enough you could that could be the difference between winning and losing because you're you just get washed out with the lights okay. so that so is there like a, yep. is there like a minimum tan no you don't i mean you don't have to get tan at all if you don't want to but like and some people some people do it themselves like all the bodybuilding venues have like tanning and venues and stuff at the backstage at the place you do it the day before you go the morning of you get a second coat and then right before stage it's like before they line you up into like generally how it works backstage is there's like a there's kind of like a it kind of looks like a makeup room, but it's like a waiting room where there's like mirrors all over and you can put your bags down and sit with your coach and like eat and stuff. And then they take you out of that room and they bring you into the, the tanning room where you get glazed, where they basically, you're already tan cause you've done two coats, but they basically spray your abs and con- like contort your body with like, just like glaze so that you're really shiny and you're, and you pop. And then you go from that room to backstage where sometimes they have weights and bands so you can get like pumped up. And then you get in line, like once you're ready, like really ready, you're getting called to like to go on stage. So um, that's how it works. Yeah. So I never, so like, I thought it was like some like rule of bodybuilding that everybody had to like get. You, it, it, I mean, it's not a necessarily rule. Like some people do their own tan and generally they look like shit. Yeah. Okay. So you do you do the tan that's at the show. And it's expensive yeah. too. It's not like a spray tan that's like, oh, here's 60 bucks. It's like these spray tans are like $175. Like they're They make you pay for didn't you have to pay to be in Oh the yeah. Show? Bodybuilding is <laughs> a very expensive sport. Oh, very expensive. Yeah. 
yeah. you don't factor in the hotels and the travel um you know the food the just the board shorts for for females it's even crazier because they have a they have not only are they getting tan then they have hair and makeup and they have a whole room for females where they're doing their hair because you look at all the girls on stage and their makeup is crazy they have jewel like uh they don't jewelry but they have like everything like their nails match their suit like it's all yeah. like you're trying to look the best most presentable peaked on stage for 10 minutes like and you tra yeah. and you prep like 16 weeks for it, like or longer like yeah. it's kind of silly when it comes down to it but yeah awesome. so yeah i don't think i have any other questions for you if there's something that i missed that you want to no i think i think that was a pretty good episode of me ranting per usual <laughs> Hey, you know what? Better than me talking. So I told you it'd be a good podcast. I could just chat, like, but yeah, absolutely. I absolutely. try, I try not to do it over the top, but I do enjoy podcasts because I like telling my story. I like you know networking, and I think also this grew us closer as a coach and client too. So I appreciate you having absolutely. me. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree. I'll let you get back to your your busy day it's what is oh it's not friday i was gonna say you have check-ins no today today's like my like chill day thank god <laughs> well i'll let you get back to your chill day thank you so much for taking the time i appreciate it of course i'll talk to you soon Liv. see you later for today's scoop with kyla we are going to throw it back to the parlay days and preview Monday night football, my Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cleveland Browns. I don't want to talk about Pittsburgh last week um, because they got shit kicked by the 49ers. Granted, San Francisco does have the best defense in the league and is a Super Bowl contender right off the bat. But there were very, very few bright spots for the Steelers. Um... And that carries over to this week. Cam Hayward is out. Deontay Johnson is also out. So that's going to be a hit on the wide receiver side with Johnson being out. But it will give George Pickens some more targets because he did split targets with Deontay Johnson last week. So Pickens, he had 36 yards uh, last week. His over-under for tonight is right about 42 yards. So I would definitely take the over for that. Um just given with Johnson being out. As for the Browns, they shocked everybody and dominated the Bengals last week. I think that, you know, Monday Night Football at Akershire Stadium, the Pittsburgh crowd is going to give Watson some hell and really, really let him hear it. Um, he did start in week 18 last season against the Steelers, and Pittsburgh did end up winning that game. Um, but the Browns are two-point favorites, so two-and-a-half depending on where you're betting. This isn't my pick. This is going to be Kyla's pick. <laughs> so here's a scoop with Kyla. She's picking the winner of the Steelers against the Browns. All right, so this is Kyla's pick. We have two spoons of peanut butter. The one farthest from me is the Steelers. The one closest to me is the Browns. 
So whichever one Kyla goes to first is going to be her pick. They have two different flavored treats on the spoons. So I'm gonna let her release here. The Steelers! <laughs> it looked like she was going to the Browns first, but she ended up picking the Steelers. So there you have it. The Steelers are going to be the Browns on Monday Night Football. I will see you all next week for another episode of No Offseason. They will be more consistent um, now that all the moving hecticness has been settled. See you next week.